You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. So guys, this year has been all about getting back into a rhythm, defining success on my own terms, and making it happen how and when I can. And I know I'm not the only one with this renewed sense of determination to go after it, keep pushing, and give myself grace in the process. And today's sponsor, U.S. Bank, is here to help us meet our milestones and thrive while we're at it. This is the time to take the lead, start your side hustle, pick your side hustle back up, and start working towards success and making your dreams come true. U.S. Bank is unique in its support of side hustlers and business owners. The combination of their humanness, helpfulness, and friendly expertise makes them stand apart. They are in your corner to help you master your finances and take the leap towards thriving. Visit usbank.com for the tools you need to make your business boom. If you've got goals, hopes, and dreams, visit usbank.com to make them happen. U.S. Bank is an equal opportunity lender and member FDIC. Hey guys, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here with another episode of Side Hustle Pro. Today in the guest chair, I have Ashley Reynolds, the founder of Cloth and Paper. Ashley has been a paper-loving, pen-hoarding notebook collector for as long as she can remember. In fact, her collection had become so overwhelming that at one point, her now husband Ryan requested that she sell some of her stash off before they moved in together when they were engaged. Little did he know that his life would be filled with pen, paper, gold foil, and all things planner related seven years later. Established in 2015, Cloth and Paper was birthed from necessity. Ashley left her corporate finance job of nine years and needed to devise a plan on what her next career move would be while fulfilling her dream of being an entrepreneur. While on the hunt for a new planner, she noticed that there weren't any on the market that quite fit her minimal aesthetic or needs. It was at that point that her journey down the paper trail began. She then spent endless hours and days designing planner inserts from scratch with no previous background or education in graphic design. Shortly after, a stationary business blossomed and the line grew to offer leather planners, luxury pens, and more quintessential styles. She ran cloth and paper alone for the first year and a half, testing her true abilities as an entrepreneur. Today, she is still head designer, aka mastermind, behind it all, growing cloth and paper into a brand with over 40 employees, over 100,000 Instagram followers, and thousands of passionate customers. Let's get right into it. So welcome, welcome to the guest chair of Side Hustle Pro. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm glad we're able to do this. Now, I find your background so interesting. You, prior to launching Cloth and Paper, you had a career in corporate finance, right? So what mm-hmm. led you into corporate finance and then what inspired you to leave <laughs> corporate finance? It was kind of, well, it actually started off as my first like real big girl job. Mm -hmm. So I started at the company when I was 19 years old. And from that point on, I was just like, you know, kind of kind of make this my home Uh and kind of see how far I can really push myself in the company. So um, probably at least once a year, I got a promotion at that at that job because I was always like my manager I was like okay I see you got a lot on your plate what can I do for you like is there anything I can take off your plate yeah so I was always really moving really fast in any department that I went to so 
I mean, that's what kept me there is that I was always constantly getting new projects, promotions. Um, They had great benefits. They had lots of a a good company culture. And so that kept me there. Um, And then the thing that made me leave is my husband actually got a job opportunity that kind of forced us out of where we lived. And so it it required me to relocate and that kind of pushed me out. Okay. So when you got that job opportunity, what did you do next? I was kind of stuck, to be honest, for a second. I was like, I cannot believe like everything that I've known mm-hmm. is about to change, mm-hmm. right? Because I had really hung my hat on a career there. And I really thought I was going to be there forever and ever wow. and ever. Like they, I mean, I had no reason to really leave. They, it was a Fortune 500 company, great benefits. Like I had, at that point I had built up to where I got like 240 hours a year of vacation. So there are, I mean, I had some flexible working then before even remote was a thing. I had some remote work opportunities within that job. Um, But it wasn't like they didn't allow me to do like full time remote, but I still had like a couple of days like where I could really uh, flex and be outside. But so when did planning come into play? Like, when did you start to explore this love for stationary and planners? When I was, did not have a job and I had, <laughs> had nothing to do after we made that move and I had nothing, no job, I had to figure some things out. Yeah. And I started, you know, really kind of figure out what direction I want my life to go in. So that required me to start planning and um, kind of in, in the midst of that and trying to plan what my future would look like. I couldn't actually find a planner that suited my needs. Mm. And so that's kind of when cloth and paper started. It's like, okay, I know the direction that I want my life to go. Yeah. I know the end goal of like, this is what I want my lifestyle to be. Uh-huh. And so I was trying to work backwards from that. And there was no planner that kind of fit my aesthetic and what I needed to really get to that end goal of where right. I wanted to be. Because what was the aesthetic on the market at the time? Like, was it floral? It was all ooh, unicorns, rainbows, <laughs> <laughs> flowers. Yes. It wasn't this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still see yeah. you still see some of that today, you know, especially targeted at women. And by the way, Ashley, yes. when she said this, like we are remember this podcast is on YouTube too. So you can oh, actually see. Right. Oh no, no, this is good. I want everyone to remember. Like, and if you check it out on YouTube, you will see her beautiful home, which reflects mm-hmm. like, well, not the whole home, but it reflects her, actually the office. The office. Okay. It's in her office. That minimal yeah. aesthetic. Like I want, I want the microphone, the white Yeti she's recording on. <laughs> so let's talk about this aesthetic. So you don't have a background in graphic design, right? So how did you start to create that first prototype? Wow. The crazy part, the gag is like I started <laughs> designing in Word. Our first inserts were actually, I did them in Word. Microsoft I'm like, Word. oh my God, okay. a designer would cringe <laughs> in today. Like, you know, I did not know Adobe was a thing. Yeah. Like I didn't know Illustrator was a thing. And I was literally trying to manipulate Microsoft Word to the best of my ability to make an insert. And so really like, we really kind of catapulted forward with those Microsoft Word inserts that I made. Like it really like shifted the direction of the business. Now, what did you do with those inserts? Like you, what year was this? 2015 or 2014? This was 2015. 2015. So who did you you offer it to? I made them for myself. Okay. And then I started really just really using them and maximizing their use and showing online how they could be used. Mm -hmm. And then people started reaching out to me. It's like, oh, what are you using? Where did you get those from? Can I have them? And so that's really, I was like, oh, there's something here. And that's when I saw that other people needed 
the system that I was creating for myself. Gotcha, gotcha. And so when you say online, was that um, Instagram at the time or Etsy? Where it was Instagram and Facebook at the oh, time. Oh, okay. So how long did it take you to go from that prototype to actually creating the cloth and paper brand? I feel like I, I early on, I feel like day one, I established the brand. Okay. Because it was so different than anything that was out there. I, I quickly was able to carve out my my niche because there was nothing not anything that was exposed to me at that time if there was something there like there I didn't see anything else like that in the marketplace so I feel like that's why there was such a big rush to kind of support what I was doing because there was that gap in the market yeah um and that's why I kind of like to explain to other people like a lot of people like to use our business as the blueprint mm-hmm. and try to duplicate and emulate and do similar things. But it's really when you're doing something that the market doesn't have, that's when you really find success is because you, you got to find the gaps. Yep. You, got, you can't, you shouldn't try to reinvent the wheel and do what people are already doing. You got to find the gaps and where what's missing for people. So, I mean, were you thinking this would become your business or something that you would just kind of do on the side while you look for another corporate finance job? Um, I'm very business confident. <laughs> like, I'm very confident like in myself. And I, Ryan always says, hey, you never bet if, if you know you're not going to win, right? And that's definitely something like I was going to work my hardest to make sure that it was going to be successful. And at that time that was, I was working probably 18, 19 hours a day, like trying to make stuff happen. And so I was, if it was within my grasp, my control, I was not going to let it not be successful. And so I know that a lot of people who are creating planners kind of themselves, they start it at home, right? They start Mm -hmm. doing the printouts and everything themselves. Was that your experience? Were you literally creating everything you were shipping? Absolutely. Um, Early on, because we were finding some success and I had zero real steady income coming in, like I tried to hold on to as much of that margin as much as possible. So that there was constant like revenue building there were savings coming in and stuff like that. So I definitely found it beneficial to operate a very lean business. And that required me to be doing a lot of the things myself. So I did have recruit Ryan, of course that was free labor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We did operate a very lean business for the first three years. We did everything ourselves. And I understand you ran it alone for the first year, right? Well, alone with Ryan. Oh, yeah. Alone, alone. Yeah. Where I was doing all the designing. I was doing all the marketing. I didn't even know that I was really marketing at the time. Mm -hmm. I was just showing what I love and what was working for me. And I feel like that authenticity is what resonated with the community that we've now built. Absolutely. So during the pandemic, I discovered that there was this whole world of planning. You know, I've always gotten planners here and there, but I wasn't committed to the process, right? I wasn't getting the the inserts and the stickers. I was just getting whatever I got um, from the store-bought. But when I discovered this whole world of planning and came across cloth and paper, I would go to your page, uh, the cloth and paper brand page on Instagram, and everything you were doing was just talking. You were... (laughs) You were just talking like, here's what's coming in. Here's what I like. And it was just so, it was almost like talking to a friend. So I really love that about your marketing, you know, but it's so organic to you. It's so natural to you. Did you start to do anything else on top of that, like ads or trade shows or anything else to build up the awareness of your brand? 
Yeah, it's crazy that like everyone calls it like me talking to the customer, yeah. like marketing, because it really did not feel like I felt like I was talking planner girl to planner girl, okay, right? Okay. Like I'm just talking with my homegirls. Yes. Like we're all, because it's so hard in real life to find someone that's into planning. Yes. And I was just so pumped to be able to have the access to talk to people that so many people that were into the same thing I was into. Yes. So I, it didn't feel like marketing, but I can see why someone would say that that's marketing, but I was truly you know, yep. sharing with them things that I love. Yeah. Um, we, I would say we, we didn't actually do our first paid marketing until year four or five in business. Okay. So it was a long time. Everything, everything was organic. All of our mm. marketing was all organic until year four, year five. Okay. Um, and I, even then, I think the most you would spend in the year is like a thousand dollars on on advertising now it's kind of crazy now yeah. it's like um a couple thousand a month yeah. yeah and what shifted to to cause you to start to invest more in paid advertising um i think it was just seeing the the reach that we could have and that we weren't quite doing like there's people outside of the planner community now that gravitate towards our product and we were able to kind of reach out to them with with paid ads that's so interesting. And one of the things I want to spend a little bit of time on is this planner community, because for those who don't know, who are not in it, can you describe a little bit about this, um, you know, this particular community and why it is so different than any other customer base? It is. The community is very, it's a supporting community. You will see nearly anyone that tries to do anything within the community is supported if they're you know, not a crazy person, not, you know, you know, not talking, right, right. you know, crazy to people or mm-hmm. anything like that. That it's a very supportive group of of I will say women because it's predominantly women. I would say it's about from the data that I have is about ninety six percent. But I would say planner people mm-hmm. um, in general are very welcoming people, and um, they really want to see a lot of people succeed. So if you, you know, put up a shop today, chances are you're probably going to have somebody that buys a sticker or insert from you within your first couple weeks in business because yes. they really do want to support and explore and try different things. Yes. Um, they are a passionate community, <laughs> that's for sure. Yep. They know what they want, they know what they don't want, and they will let you know. Um, and they're a very engaging community. Um, I have talking to some people since, like, day one Mm -hmm. that I still talk to on a regular basis on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that's so cool. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because what I learned about this community is that people often have more than one planners. Here I was thinking, I just need to get my planner for the year. That was what Mm -hmm. I've always done. And then as I was following cloth and paper, I started to realize people have planners for different things. I'm like, how can you have different planners? How do you know what's going on (laughs) in one (laughs) But it's a whole thing, which is more business for you. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you plan for that? Like the different type of things that people need for their planners. See, I resonate with that because I'm that girl too. Like I don't have just one planner. I like to, you know, dabble in different sizes and kind of restructure how I'm planning throughout my year. I'm always trying to figure out what is the most beneficial system for my life. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like sometimes that, you know, will cause you to go over here and make a personal planner if you've been in the, you know, HP Mini for a little bit. I think it's just curiosity in general and everyone wants to kind of maximize their planning and maximize their productivity. So they'll they'll try and they'll shift from time to time to try to figure out what they can do to really 
optimize mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, I don't, you know, everyone can do their own thing. Yeah. I do that. I probably have three planners going on right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Is everything physical product with cloth and paper or did you start out with any digital? Um, everything was 100% like product to consumer, like tangible product. Yeah. Um, we are kind of dabbling now in some digital things. We've done some printables and things like that, but we're figuring out the core customer of ours really just loves that tangible analog that comes with yes. planning, you know? And I've heard you say that the worst advice you've ever gotten was to not create physical products in this digital mm-hmm. world. Why did you defy mm-hmm. that advice? Because I'm hardheaded. <laughs> and I'm just, that's, that is just my nature. I'm a very much like, I'll, I'll show you that I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. If someone's coming at me and they're saying, you can't do this, I'm yeah. going to be like, I'm going to show you. Yeah. And that's just part of my personality. And I'm glad in that situation that I was a little bit hardheaded mm-hmm. because of course, like I wouldn't have alongside my husband built the brand that we we have today, you know, and yeah. now we employ, you know, 40 plus people. And, you know, we have a 12,000 square foot warehouse like this wouldn't be a thing if I didn't, wow. you know, test that theory a little bit. So how did you once you stopped creating things yourself in Microsoft Word, mm-hmm. um, how did you go about? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you were trying to carry me a little bit right there. <laughs> She said, um, by the way, you were using Word. Everyone heard that no. again. She was using Word. If you, I mean, if you look at the products today, I need to know how that transition <laughs> happened. How did you go about finding designers and manufacturers and, you know, growing the business? It just and no longer was efficient because I wasn't as proficient with doing that, like someone that yeah. can, that does graphic design for a living. So it's taken me a long time to do a lot of the things that I need done. And with growing, you need a certain pace to the work. You, you have certain deadlines and deliverables that you need to meet. Yeah. And, you know, I quickly found out that I needed a real designer that knew how to navigate and design efficiently. Um, and yeah. And definitely need to do that yeah. in order to grow. And then how was the manufacturing process for you? Was that something that you found domestically or did you have to go looking over? Yeah, we actually in the beginning, it was all domestically. When okay. I lived in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, I actually found someone local mm-hmm. um, that could print the inserts for us. So all of that was done there. And in the beginning, we actually did do a little bit of wholesaling with existing stationary retailers to help kind of grow our business. Ah. So, you know, we were wholesaling and those were U.S. distributors. We did kind of get some access to some U.K. distributors that really gave us a leg up and on our um, people that were selling retail products. But a lot of it was domestically and it wasn't really until probably a year and a half in that we started to look for manufacturing overseas. And when you say wholesaling, Mm -hmm. do you mean that you were allowing other retailers or other planning companies to use your designs at scale? No, Uh we were actually sourcing products at wholesale from retailers that already existed. So um, we did our subscription box early on and we were actually like kind of wholesaling those products from other retailers. And in today's time, I would I would. It's not a lucrative way mm. to do a subscription box um, doing wholesale. So I would I would definitely wouldn't yeah. really do that today. So talk to us about this subscription box, because I actually thought that was something more recent. So when did that begin? Um, it, it sounds like, did you start and stop and then restart? So we started a little bit early in it 
early on, actually, in business, it was it within the first year, and it's because we actually had, because we were wholesaling products, we had kind of like this surplus of products that we just could not get rid of. And I'm like, I just need to get these out of the living room. I need to be able to walk around the living room. Um, so we're like, oh, let's just put them together in a mm-hmm. box and like sell them at this discounted price to kind of get rid of everything. And so it actually was developed out of need just to get rid of surplus products. Mm -hmm. And it kind of evolved from there. And once we found out that that's really not a profitable way to um, organize a subscription box, we quickly transitioned to doing it, you know, with our own products. Got it, got it, got it. So, you know, not only are you creating physical products, but now you're up in the ante, you are creating a whole box of products. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I mean- It was a lot. I, you know, what I love about you is you don't seem intimidated by any of these, these new ideas that you have. So when I think of subscription box and when, you know, some of the listeners, you might be thinking this too, like, it sounds expensive to ship, to Mm -hmm. put all those things in a box and make sure nothing breaks or whatever. Because now I see, I I saw you do some champagne or wine glasses uh, several months ago. So Mm -hmm. how do you manage those margins? So, yeah, as your listeners probably don't know, but we have a weekly launch of products called Happy Hour. And so it kind of fit into our marketing efforts of Happy Hour with having like a champagne uh, situation in a box. But, yeah, early I just very have had close relationship with business margin. Okay, And I'm like, I am on it. Like, I know like where we need to be. Like, as a business person, everything that you do should have a budget, Mm -hmm. right? And if you know, like, hey, at the end of this quarter, I want to have this amount of money, you got to figure out what I need to do to keep everything at a certain point. And so I was very good at that early on because because of my situation. I didn't want to go back to not having a job. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I can continue to provide, you know, money to to live off of. Right. And speaking of money, so of course, a lot of new businesses lose money or, Mm -hmm. you know, break even in those first few years. What was your experience? Mm -mm. (laughs) Again, I was I was holding those numbers tight, yes. tight. Um, um, no, we were profitable our first month in business, mm-hmm. and that was also because we were running such a lean business. Yes. It was it was me, 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 and so I didn't really have. I had groceries, a cell phone bill at that time, and because I didn't have a job, I wasn't using my car to go and get gas and all that stuff. So my expenses were really low, and so every excess dollar of what I needed to pay for, you know, with bills was going right back into the business. So I wasn't like greedy and saying, hey, like, oh, this business made X amount of money this month. I can take out 75% of that. I was putting 75% of what I made right back into the business so I could continue to see it grow. Got it. And were you limited by the fact that you were creating a product that had an existing pricing structure in certain levels, right? Mm-hmm. There are tiers to stationary. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel hindered by that at all at wanting to come in at a premium or how did you navigate that? I knew my per- just my personal taste in real life. Yeah. I'm very, I gravitate towards the shiniest object, <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah. that's just, I just, like if, if there was a rack of shirts, mm-hmm. I, my eye is naturally going to gravitate to the one that costs, has the biggest price yeah. tag. I just have my my eye and my taste for quality, I knew where I wanted the products to eventually be. And I had it to kind of start early on and getting people used to this new price tag in the mm-hmm. community and, and show them why the price tag was warranted. So I, early on, I was using a lot of gold foil. I was using a lot of printing techniques that weren't really used 
in the planner community yet. And so I was able to really showcase like, okay, this is why my price point is this is because I'm actually using methods that haven't been used before. And so people quickly adapted. I mean, once you kind of explain and you're, and they're getting the product in their hand Mm -hmm. and they can see why there's that price difference. Um, I never really gotten much feedback on pricing or anything like that. So guys, I know investing and trading can seem really intimidating and complicated, but it doesn't have to be that way. Episode 301 guest Terry Ajoma runs one of the top investing education programs out there. It's called Trade and Travel. It's an on-demand course with really thorough lessons that explain everything. And it also features weekly coaching with Terry herself and a very active private Facebook community. How do I know? Because I am also a trade and travel student and trade and travel is helping me to break through the intimidation that I've always felt around stocks. So Terry teaches you the difference between long versus short selling. She teaches you everything you need to know about getting set up, where to invest, how to invest. Um, She teaches you how to trade stocks as a side hustle to earn extra income and how to set concrete goals, realistic goals, how to pace yourself. Trading is not something you need to do every day. Um, You know, Terry really shows you how to do it in a realistic side hustle way so that you're trading, but you're also, you know, having impact and making wise choices. So go ahead and learn more and sign up for the trade and travel program at sidehustlepro.co slash trade and travel. And I'll link to it in the show notes through trade and travel. You can learn how to trade as a side hustle and supplement your income with trading. So sign up for trade and travel at sidehustlepro.co slash trade and travel. One more time, that's sidehustlepro.co slash trade trade and travel. So let's talk about the pandemic boom. So Mm. all of a sudden, everyone's home and you would think, you know, they don't have anywhere to go. There's nothing to plan. But we experienced this shopping boom (laughs) during the last Mm -hmm. two years. And all of a sudden, people like me who, you know, weren't in the planning community, but like to plan are discovering your brand, are shopping more. How did you manage this influx of attention, traffic and customers? That was intense because especially in March of 2020, like when everyone just didn't know what this meant and what was going on. My husband and I, we were like, okay, are are people going to be able to work? Because you know, the emergency stay at home orders and all that. We're like, what does this mean? Like, are people not going to be able to come to work? Ryan and I, we literally went to Walmart and created like this emergency preparedness kit, like with tents (laughs) and like canned food. Because we're like, what we're going to do is if (laughs) nobody else can come to work, we are going to work all day, all night. And we're going to sleep in the office and we're going to get these orders out because the orders have started to come in. Like we're like, we were kind of shocked. But yeah, we were prepared. Like if no one can work, we are going to work. And luckily, our team was very willing and we had a very, very tight knit, close knit team Mm -hmm. at um, at that time. We were kind of all kind of stuffed into this smaller office because we were were forced to deal with each other on a daily basis that everyone was just, you know, willing to rock it out and make it happen. Um, But we had to quickly pivot and hire very fast. Um, We went from 11 employees to 40. That's a big leap. A little bit of time. And then we hired HR. Like it was all these new processes and elements that we were adding to the business that we had never had before. And so it was a, it was a learning curve for everybody. Wow. Really. Now, we have to talk about this because, you know, 
hiring, you make it sound so easy, but I know that hiring is one of the most stressful and sometimes intimidating parts of business. So how did you go about that? How did you go about becoming good at hiring? Uh, I hired HR that is better at hiring and has an expertise. How did you find that HR? Uh, We actually, that was one of the first real positions that we like, one of the first like salaried positions that we hired for. Um, we actually just posted a job on Indeed and said, hey, this is what we need. Yeah. This is our budget. Can you help us out? Um, and luckily, we were able to find someone that was kind of just starting out trying to make a career out of HR and was able to work within our budget. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of nurtured us and got us to the point that we are. She kind of set things in place for our HR people today. So. Oh, that's awesome. And so did that person help you to to determine what were the roles you needed in your business to make it flourish at this new level? I think it was a tag team effort. Both Ryan and I are always kind of analyzing what the business needs are, what's going to take the business to the next level. We always say, hey, we want to make revenue generating positions and we want to hire revenue generating people. Um, So we always, you know, would have our own plan and strategy in our head. And we would always go to HR and say, hey, what do you think of this? Is this necessary? And, you know, she would kind of tell us, oh, I don't think that's necessary at this time. But we, what we do need is this person over here. So it was it was all hands on deck. It was strategy. We leaned on HR a lot because, again, that was not our expertise. Um, my specifically, my husband did come up from a like a sales management background. So he did have a little bit more people management than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was a tactic team effort. Yeah. And what about customer service? Do you find that because the planner community is so passionate that you really need to have a really beefed up uh, customer service team or is it something that was always kind of manageable? It became unmanageable real quick. (laughs) So before, before when Ryan and I first started, um, I started and I was handling customer service and just with me creating the product products too, and packaging products and shipping the products, yeah. I could not not give customer service the attention that it really needed. Yeah. So Ryan started the first thing he took on was customer service, yeah. and that it just becomes so overwhelming with all the needs and the questions and all of that. So that was another role that we hired for that was big for us, and we have a fantastic customer service uh, manager named Cheryl and a great customer service team, and I feel like we're pretty well known for our customer service. Um, it's a it's a very um, it's kind of like the heartbeat of of our operations here. Yeah. That's amazing. And now you have you're generating so much buzz. Like I see you've been featured in Forbes. You mentioned and you touched on this briefly, but I'd love to know how do you deal with uh, imitation, um, especially by. I want to say maybe big box brands. Like how are you dealing and navigating that? I, um, it used to bother me a whole lot, especially early on. Yeah. And you're doing everything yourself and you're like, you know how hard I had to work for that product to come out, you know, and the blood, sweat and tears that went behind that. But now it doesn't bother me as much. Um, I can see something, scroll past it and move on. Um, I do know that if I'm being looked at as, this is the person to copy that I've won, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then that's it. So I don't, I don't really look at it 
anymore. I don't, it doesn't bother me yeah. anymore. Because like, <laughs> they're always going to have to look to you first to figure out their next product. <laughs> right. So you're always going to be two steps behind. Yeah. That's why <laughs> we say that all the time, but it's always, that's why it's always great to focus on where the gaps are. Mm-hmm. So don't try to keep up with me and say, oh, what's cloth and paper doing? Like you got to figure out, okay, what can I do that cloth and paper's not serving? Yep. You know what I mean? And and come up that way. But you don't want to be always waiting for me to give you direction, right? right? I'm not your employer, yeah. right? You're supposed to be your own employer and you're supposed to be driving things forward. You got to figure out what's going to be the the thing. So at this stage, is cloth and paper, can it be purchased inside of or online anywhere besides clothandpaper.com? There are some online retailers we have. We do um, some wholesaling yeah. efforts. These are kind of some smaller boutique online shops. We're on, we're in person in downtown Disney and Anaheim wow. uh, with Post 21. It's the first African American owned um, retailer and Post 21 in downtown Disney. So we're, we're in smaller boutique operations, yes. hoping to make some big box entrances yes. soon. Yes. Yes. So before we jump into the lightning round, I'd love to know, you know, what are you thinking of next for Cloth and Paper? You know, what exciting things are you workshopping right now that you can give us a sneak peek and share with us? Mm -hmm. We are definitely trying to polish and make it a clean transition of being more lifestyle brand. Uh Um, That's really where we know that we can be. We know that's where, you know, our revenue goals can take us. And so our, our goal is really to just be more of a name that is rolling off the tongues of, of everyone. Yes. Um, that is definitely a big goal for me, whether that be, I mean, it may not us being in retail mm-hmm. or like a target or something like that, that gets us there. Yeah. Maybe it's something that we just build on ourselves and we amplify our own work through social media because that's free. But yeah, the goal is definitely to become a more lifestyle to offer our customers more of the things that they need outside of planning. And at this stage, um, can you just share a little bit more about some of the full offerings on cloth and paper these days? So there's obviously planners, but there's so much beyond that. Yeah. So we have, um, we have um, bound planners that are already ready to go yeah. that you order them and you're ready to start planning. We also have our a la carte planning. So you pick your binder, you pick your inserts that you want and you pick any other accessories that you want to kind of jazz it up. Um, and then we also have three subscription boxes. So we have one that is designated to pin lovers called our Pinspiration box. We have one that is dedicated to our diehard planning community. That is a planning and stationary box that is geared towards that a la carte customer that loves getting customized inserts specific to their planner size. And then we launch, um, almost a year ago, uh, an esteep box is called esteep by cloth and paper, which is a lifestyle box, um, curated, uh, for people that enjoy the finer things. So one of it, and actually grew out of customers always asking me, what is that that I see in your background on your desk? What is that nail polish that you're wearing? And I said, you know what I need, I should just get everything in one place so that I can share with them the things that I'm loving and the things that I'm wearing and using. So yes, yes. And I want to make sure people know that you didn't start off with all of this and and you, (laughs) again, you keep a close eye on those margins. So what's your process for making sure you don't have too many SKUs, you don't have too much inventory, you 
for analyzing what's working, what you can stop selling, and so forth. So we do have a procurement team that kind of keeps an eye on everything. We have an inventory team that let us know, hey, this isn't really working that well, so maybe don't do any more of these things. We do have a good team in place that kind of monitors those things and let us know what we should do more of, what we should do less of, and what, you know, to stay away from. And how often do you assess that? Is that like a monthly thing or? Oh, it's like a weekly weekly thing. We're looking at, we're looking at things very, very often, especially as more so as you move into Black Friday, because you, you want to be able to kind of generate revenue so that you can be preparing and buying products for Black Friday. So we look at those things very often. Good to know. All right, so now mm-hmm. we're going to jump into the lightning round. Um, you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Number one, what is a resource that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience that has really helped you in building cloth and paper? I, this sounds cheesy, but it really, there's just so much free information out there, like podcasts. Like when I'm in the car, yeah. I'm not listening to music most of the time. I'm listening to podcasts because I just like to, any idle time that I have, I like to be learning. And yes, seeing how I can be better business person. Um, So podcasts, YouTube, you know, there's just a wealth of information that you can get for free. Yes, yes, yes. I've never paid for a six-figure course, by the way. (laughs) Everything I have learned has been through just trial and error myself. Or those free, those free resources yeah. out there. And this is why Sahaza Pro exists, you know, to, to share yes. as much as we can. So number two, mm-hmm. who is a non-celebrity Black woman entrepreneur that you would trade places with for a day to get some intel? I'm really admiring how the big businesses that these YouTubers are creating. Like, they're creating Same. like multi, multi, multi-million dollar empires yes. just by them, be themselves online, yep. right? And so there's just there's this one girl that I really love. She kind of has a similar vibe, very like kind of luxury, but also very down to earth. Her name is Aaliyah's face. Yes, on I YouTube. follow her. Yep, yep. I love her so much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I would love to. Have, every time I was like, oh, I would love to have drinks with her. I would love to, you know, do something with her. I would love just to hang out with her, you know, one time. Yes, just to get some insight. Number three, um, what's a non-negotiable part of your morning routine? Silence, quiet. I definitely have built in and have learned over the past year, year and a half that I need like 20 minutes to myself, whether it's just to read a book, either to listen to some meditation, uh, just to just sit in silence and just really set the tone for the day. Mm I 100% need that now. All right. Number four, what is a personal habit that you think has significantly helped you in business? And it's cheesy, but it's planning my day, mm-hmm. right? So having a structure, because being an entrepreneur, especially early on, like yeah. you're in charge of your schedule. Yep. And if you have that kind of procrastination personality, <laughs> like things can kind of get away from you really quickly. Yeah. So definitely having a structure to my day mm-hmm. is is something that I need. All righty. And then finally, last question, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who want to keep pursuing their passion project, their side hustle, but are worried about not having a steady corporate paycheck? I feel like you should, if you're concerned, like I need the soft cushion to fall back on, okay, maybe this is not the right time for you. You're not in the middle 
headspace to be an entrepreneur because it's a lot of give and take and sacrifice of being an entrepreneur. I feel like if that's your concern, keep on doing your nine to five until you're in the mental headspace of like, I'm ready to give it up all and I'm ready to focus 100% of my time and energy on on my business. Yes, that's real. That is real. And I think, you know, on that note, we're going to transition and end the episode. Um, Ashley, I thank you so much for being here. I, you know, it's funny because it seems like we didn't chat that long, but I feel like you jammed in so much info. (laughs) So where, where can people connect with you and cloth and paper after this episode? On Instagram at cloth underscore and underscore paper. And that's A-N-D spelled out. You can shop our products online at www.clothandpaper.com. And yeah, we're all over the place. Facebook, Cloth and Paper Co. and YouTube. And we'll link to all of that, you guys. And with that, there you have it. I'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.